Father God, as we bow our heads before you today and think, man, that song came out of, uh, come out of a fight, out of a feud. It just kind of shows how your love can break through. And I don't know, sometimes we get to that place where we just really don't even want to think about uh, making up or working things out. We just kind of just want to have our ways and we kind of dig in, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's at work or whatever's going on. Lord, we just kind of get to that place where we just kind of dig our heels. And so uh, this song just so clearly says to me that wherever people find themselves today, if they'll surrender to your design, which almost always has to do with me first rather than the other person. Your design helps us die to self and then find self and find the joy in that and serving somebody else and being there to surrender or be selfless for somebody else. And so prepare our hearts and our minds for these next couple weeks for the truth that comes from your word. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before I give you the high five question, uh, I wanted to let you know, some of you know um, Don and Kathy Caruso. They used to sit over here. Um, they're a, an elderly couple living in California. I got a call from his wife. I talked to her the other day, and I talked to uh, his, his daughter. He has a terminal uh, situation, and uh, they, while in California, they're going to do a few things. They want to come back here and have a memorial service here. And so we'll be calling on all of you that know him and those who don't to maybe just honor their family. Here's what they want to do. He loves ice cream. He, he was eating a lot of ice cream, and his wife said, aren't you eating a little bit too much ice cream? He looked at her and said, what does it matter? <laughs> They're going to, after memorial service, have an ice cream bar, ice cream Sundays, whatever you call it, a social, after for the family and those that are here. So... We'll need you to get ready to help us with that. Thank you so much. All right, here's your high five question. According to research, what is the number one thing that helps couples stay married? According to research, what is the number one thing that helps couples stay married? Find five people, see if you know the answer. Hit those lights for me, Gary. Thank you, sir. Super glue. All right, everybody, go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat. Don't forget that the title of the message is Marriage and Relationships. So really, 
even the things, a lot of what you'll learn have to do with even relationships. But what, according to research, what's the number one thing that helps marriage to stay together? Anybody have a clue other than super glue? Yes, dear. Yes, dear. That helps. <laughs> Communication. Don't Google it. What's the matter with you? Okay, here it comes, everybody. Shared interests. Shared interests. Intimacy was number two for all you thought that was number one, I know. All right, kill the lights for me. Let this prepare your heart. I can show you the world Shining, shimmering, splendid Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? No one to tell us no where to go or say we're only dreaming a new world a dazzling place I never knew but when I'm way up here it's crystal clear that now I'm in a whole new world let me share this whole new world with you a whole new You get married, and it's a whole new world. I don't know if that snake crawling around out front was some type of a warning or what that had to do with it, but don't you just love the words? You know, this is what it's like. This is what we're telling young people. This is what the world is like. I can show you the world, shining, shimmering splendor, and uh, I live in Madison now. I showed you the world. There you go. I can open your eyes, take you wonder by wonder on a magic carpet ride. That's what marriage is like, a magic carpet ride where the threads are basically almost all gone. I had a, my parents had a really nice oriental rug and the dog peed on it. <laughs> she wasn't too happy about this. No one to tell us no or where to go or say we're only dreaming. Honey, you is dreaming. I mean, when I was growing up, no girl would ever take the title of princess. Now everybody wears all that. They, you know, I'm a princess, I'm a princess. Here's a princess, and she wasn't even happy with her life. Here's a guy faking. This is, this is reality. Aladdin is faking. He's a street rat. He's a thief. He doesn't have enough money to basically put food on his own table. He's relying on a genie and three wishes to get the girl he wants. That's a whole new world, everybody. There are a lot of portrayals of marriage that bring nothing but frustration to couples. A lot of things that are basically unbiblical. I'd like to maybe straighten some of those out. And the truth of the matter is, is you know, just as Aladdin was a diamond in the rough, so can you be, and so can your marriage be. It may be a little rough right now, but if you work it and work it and you get it and you become a part of it, God can help you to make it a diamond. Kids these days, I have it at the top of your notes. Pull out your yellow notes there or pull out your smartphone. On the Bible app, you can go to the Bible app, go to the um, uh, events there, and we have all of the notes right on top of there. 
I'm not sure you know the context of this passage. Let me read it to you. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Do you understand and know that this is the context of probably the most well-known love chapter in the Bible? Love is, all that's displayed over here and all throughout Scriptures. But the problem is, is you can't relate to what love is in the Word of God if you stay a kid. And how many people are children in the way that they respond in their marriage? They haven't tested, haven't been tested or grown up. And there's really nothing worse than a husband and a wife who are acting like a kid in their marriage. This series here will help us uh, to fulfill one of our goals for 2018 on building strong, godly marriages. We'll do a series here, and then in the fall, we're going to do several things. Uh, we'll probably have another uh, a ser- short series, and we're hoping to have a, somewhat of a seminar. Now, from the index cards that all of you folks gave me, and the different things that you've given me and some other things, I have five things in your notes there that I want to try to hit with every message. I want to be able to cover spirituality, I want to be able to cover communication. I want to be able to make sure that you're having fun because one of the most uh, important questions I ask couples during counseling is, are you having any fun anymore? And they're like, no, this ain't fun most of the time. I, I want to cover reactions to things in life and intimacy. So whether you're a blended family or maybe you're single wishing to be married or you're just in a relationship or whatever it might be today, my hope and my prayer through these next several weeks is that you will understand and grow what it means to have a strong relationship. So number one in your notes, marriage along the way can sometimes, number one, be messy. Marriage along the way can be messy. You know, Every one of these quotes I'm going to share with you are literal quotes from a, a, a husband or a wife. I won't say which ones. Quote, my spouse throws clothes just outside the hamper. You get it? Here's the hamper, and every time they come up, it's like, why are they right there? Twelve more inches. What, do you play for the calves? My spouse won't let me drive. Whenever they're in the car, one's got to drive. The other one's not allowed to. Here's another one. Every half hour, my spouse is asking me, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? You know? All of those messy things, like, like I leave the fridge door open on the left side. I have tried for years. Somebody, it's the design. It's not me. We come home a couple hours. It's like I left the fridge open again. It's like, you know, and there's all this frost in the back and stuff. And it's just like everybody's got something. You see, this messy stage is where we say, I love this person, but some of the things they do are driving me crazy. These are the conversations people have, you know, the old socks on the floor, the toothpaste capped off, you know. They do this, they do that, whatever it is. Well, this is where... The Word of God comes in place. And let me just give you verse 4. You see it there. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. doesn't boast. It's not proud. And this begins to teach us what is true in Scriptures. This begins to teach us that the Scripture turns my focus off of my messy situation onto me. Because I can't wish for love to be patient for my spouse. I can't wish for my spouse to be. It, it turns it to me. And the irritants of my spouse, it makes me say, hey, Evan, are you being patient? Are you being kind? How are you handling this situation, you know? Do you ever ask yourself the question, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most irritant or, or most bothersome, what does this really matter in eternity? 
And somehow, some of the things that, you know, people do to each other, somehow, I can't explain it, I've talked about it, they become cute after a while. I don't know how it happens other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It's something you talk about. Somebody says, how do you put up with that? You know, it's just part of who they are. Here's what I want to make sure you understand, and if you're in this messy part of a relationship in a marriage, understand that you might possibly be being deceived. What might be filtering in all around you, and Satan might be poking you, saying, you know, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. A struggle doesn't mean you're failing. But that's exactly what Satan wants you to think about. That's exactly what he wants you to feel. Maybe what it's feeling like. But complaining about your spouse being messy, I'm telling you every time it'll suck the intimacy right out of your marriage, out of your relationship. Yeah, complain about all that stuff and then try to go to sleep that night. Of course, men, you know, we can get over it pretty quickly and just, okay, you want to hop in bed now? We're going to be real during this series. The candas are bailing on me because I was going to have them do, they're going to be gone, but I was going to have them do a section on sex and intimacy, but I told them I'd get them this fall, so look forward to hearing from them, all right? And if you have any questions, they'll be taking answers, they'll be taking questions after service. Here's the thing. During the messy times, the number one most important thing is to stick together. You know, why is spaghetti so good the second day? It's had time, the sauce has had time to stick on the noodles, And something about marriage is the same. Hold on, stick to it. It'll get better if you stick with it. But if you abandon it, you just never, ever will know. Do you know what verse 4 there teaches us? What's this going to matter in eternity? You see, messy marriages become neat not by cleaning up your spouse, but by laying down yourself because love is patient. Love is kind. It, it thinks of what is right, not what is right for you or to you. Number one is messy. The second marriage along the way is a mathematical marriage, a mathematical relationship. This can be friends, it could be whatever, but I mean, I know you're going to look at this and you're going to say, well, this should have been the first point. Well, I made this the second point to drive home how very often this does become number two. Uh, it, it points out that oftentimes our spouse becomes number one and God becomes point number two that can happen in a relationship that can happen in a marriage it happens so very often you're in a relationship and you're concentrating you're thinking all about that but someone put it this way they said I will always seek the one with my two I will always seek see sometimes when you you first met that person you say I met the one I met the one and I know it's just a phrase but somehow or another the one can replace God And everything that you want in marriage, everything you should be getting from the Lord, everything you should be getting from your relationship with God, you're trying to get from your marriage, and that's a disaster in the making. Someone said, I always seek the one with my two. And if you get it backwards, the math never works. Are you individually seeking the Lord? Are you individually making sure he's number one? So that oftentimes the things that bug or irritate you, somehow or another, God makes it okay. Or enables you to be patient and maybe smile and say, man, I was just making a mountain out of a molehill. Verse 5 in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, you know, love, it, it does not dishonor others, and that can be your spouse. It is not self-seeking. 
Hey, this is what I, this is the way I want it. It's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrong. It isn't saying, hey, remember what you did to me six months ago? It wipes it away. I look at these characteristics and all I think about is Jesus. He doesn't dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no records of wrong. He's forgiven me so many times. Verse 5 adds up to a husband and wife putting on the character of Jesus. How are you doing? Are you growing close to Christ? Are these characteristics in you? Not self-seeking, not selfish, but selfless. Keeping no record of wrong and rejoicing in it because you, as you grow your relationship with Jesus, everyone wants to say, you know, I've forgiven you of that a long time ago. And you're like, thank you so much. That can't happen in this marriage where our spouse becomes number one in our lives. We've got to keep Jesus Christ. You see, you know, every once in a while you talk to somebody and they say, well, I found the one. Oh, did you get saved? No, I mean, a husband or a wife or a future fiance, yeah. It's very subtle, folks, but I'm not kidding. We inch our way towards this, expecting our spouse to meet so much of the spiritual and emotional needs that, Jesus Christ is waiting to meet for us. I hope that you'll come out for prayer. Uh, what is it, June 3rd? At the end of that time of prayer, we're gonna have an anointing with oil for people who struggle with depression, anxiety, asking the Lord to do something beyond what we can do. See, our, our marriages will never be godly until we make Jesus number one and our spouse number two. Expecting your spouse to meet all your needs, to be the source of your happiness, it will never add up mathematically, spiritually, any other way. Number three, marriage along the way can sometimes be a desert. This is the, I'm all alone in this marriage. My spouse is here, but really isn't here. My marriage is dry. I'm parched, just looking for some love, some care, whatever it is. And you might be starting to look for a little bit of water somewhere else. You may be looking for someone else to quench that uh, thirst that you have. I mean, you say, I, you take the kids everywhere, you clean up everywhere, your spouse may be lazy, whatever it is. In a desert marriage, the thought becomes, I want out or I want somebody else. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil. The thought that sometimes enters our minds are wrong, are evil. You know, maybe you've heard it, but do you practice it? Never say, I'm out of here. I talk to couples, they say, I used to say that all the time. Never to say divorce, I want. Never, never let them, those words come off your mouth. And if you had, before we take the Lord's Supper today, you need to lean over to your spouse and ask for forgiveness. The desert can be a place, you know, deserts. People, don't, they don't often just head into the desert for any reason, but in thinking about uh, the reasons that you don't deserve what you have, you, you're looking around. Just remember a couple desert experiences you find out in the scriptures. Moses was in the desert for years and years. And there was a time there was this burning bush, and in that desert, when he was away from his people and away from his calling, God appeared to him in a burning bush. And God said to him, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. In the desert, he found the presence of the Lord. If you're in a desert and all your focus is on your, your spouse, get alone with Jesus. 
let that desert experience end up being something positive. You remember Jesus? Will in the will. Do you know the scripture says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tested for 40 days? And during that time, Satan came and tempted him and tempted him this way and that way, and that's what happens. You start to get tempted. But Jesus' response is one we should pick up and live and put on our lips. He said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so sometimes you just need to repeat out loud or to yourself or claim, my marriage doesn't just exist on the love of my spouse alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, living and experiencing it. See, when a person is in a desert, you know one of the things that they see? You ever hear of, what is it called, a, a, um, a mirage? Thank you, dear. That's what happens when you're married for 34 years. Your wife finishes your sermons. That's awesome. A mirage. You know it if you've seen it on blacktop. Anybody in the desert that doesn't know about a mirage will think and say, oh, there's water over there, and they'll just walk after it and walk after it and walk after it until it kills them. And that is how it is in marriage. Sometimes you walk after something so long, you don't realize it's a mirage. But if you've been in the desert and you've survived, you know it's a mirage. You don't pay attention to it. You... you, you navigate according to the skills that you have because the oasis really isn't there. In your marriage, you can get to an oasis if you can navigate the mirages that come. Love does not delight in evil. When a person is in the desert, they get thirsty, they get vulnerable, they see mirages, but think about it. That's not the oasis that you are looking for. People who know about deserts, they don't get fooled by them. And if that's what you're in, I want to say to you that many of the godly marriages you see today were once in a desert. You look at it, you think, oh, it's just so perfect, this, that, the other. But we've all been in deserts, and so have I. One little letter can turn a desert into a totally different experience. Add the letter S, and it goes from a desert to a dessert, something enjoyable. But you've got to get through the desert and you've got to draw close to Jesus. Number four is a seasoned marriage. A seasoned marriage. How many of you know how to season a cast iron pan? Yeah. You gotta, I know you guys are campers back there. You get a brand new cast iron pan, and if you cook on it, everything's going to stick to it. So what you do is, is you take a cast iron pan, and you fill it with oil. You put a lot of oil in it. You wipe the oil down the front, the handle, everything. Then you put it in the oven or somewhere as hot as you can, and you bake it, and you season it. And when it's done and it's cooled off, you take it out, and then you can use it to cook on. That seasoned frying pan, that cast iron pan, can go on and off many different high-temperature fires, hot and cold and hot. It can handle it because it's been seasoned. And for the marriages that are seasoned, they have gone through fires. Matter of fact, a seasoned marriage has at one time been a messy marriage. More than like, it's been a messy marriage at some time. And so you're saying, I, I love my spouse, but they're driving me crazy. The, the seasoned marriages have been through the mathematical side. They, they see, you know, something, I got something out of place here. It's just not adding up. I have made my spouse number one and, and not my Lord. Now, seasoned marriages, they've been through the desert. Well, they've been through the desert. They've been through dry times, complaining times, feeling woe is me, a little bit of a self-pity party. My spouse doesn't that, yada, yada, whatever it is. Verse 7. 
Love always protects. This is a season of marriage. Love always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. The only way to get a seasoned marriage is probably to go through each of the other three seasons we talked about, and I probably missed several different ones, maybe one that you've gone through. I mean, nobody really wants to go through the fire, but if you do, that's how you'll end up with a seasoned marriage. So here's what I suggest to you. Seasoned couples that have seasoned marriages, they've been through, they're, they're not arrogant, they don't think they got all together, but they'd be glad to help you. Find somebody that you know that has a seasoned marriage and talk to them and find out some of the deserts they've been through. Find out somebody that you can get some advice from or, or resource. Take somebody out to dinner and say, hey, could you come over? You know, I want to talk to you about how messed up my spouse is. Maybe you come over and talk to him. You could fi- fix him. <laughs> the bottom of your notes, I have the word warnings, right? <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, the warning on a side pack of a cigarettes said something along the line, you know, warning, uh, uh, cigarette smoking may cause cancer. Let me read what the Surgeon General has on the side of a pack of cigarettes now. Smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and may complicate pregnancy. Quitting smoking now greatly reduces serious risk to your health. That's about as strong as you can get. But there's another surgeon general. I would call him the spiritual general. And from what he wrote in 1 Corinthians verse 11, I wrote my own warning. Here it is. Could you fill the first one out with me? I got two central points for you. Number one, children should not attempt to live in holy matrimony. It is hazardous to their health. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I left. Are you still acting like a kid? Man, kids who get married and stay married, no matter what their age are, they are a detriment to it. But here's the you know how there's such a thing as secondhand smoke? There's such a thing as secondhand smoke when it comes to marriage. Here's the second one I have here warning. The secondhand effect of a bad marriage will affect the health of the children and all other family. Marriage is not for the faint of heart, no matter what the world paints the picture of. Marriage is not for the weak, and it is not according to the love chapter for children. When I was a child, hey, it's time to grow up. Look at yourself. Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your wife. Look at yourself. It's time to grow up. It's time to take and to practice what this is. And some of you here today, I know maybe you're in a marriage where your spouse isn't a Christian. Maybe you've been in in your second marriage and it's just whatever it is. A lot of what I got on some of your feedback, I want to say to some of you, the the best thing that you could do with some of the responses you gave me is is we we need to talk. And so if your situation doesn't get covered, we probably need to talk because it's a little more complicated than can be handled here. Some things need to be sorted out. So on the back of your notes, there is a list of resources. It always amazes me how a man or a woman will take up some topic, you know. Maybe it's, oh, you want to get your finances right. So you take a a financing class, and and the financing class, or or maybe it's an hour long, they give you some resources, you go home, you look up on the internet, you read a book, you do all this other stuff. And how many people get married and they don't use any resource? On the back of your notes, 
I have uh, websites, podcasts, video and book resources, maybe a workbook if you want to start a Bible study, something on there, a lot of different resources. Why would you ever think to get married and never pick up a resource? You know, speaking with somebody, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, something like that, they were struggling in a situation. Uh, they, they went and they got alone with the Lord and somehow the Lord showed them something wonderful about their spouse when they were complaining a little bit about it. And I just said, this, this, is, what it, this is what Christians do. Experiencing the presence of God, turning something around from the way that a selfish person was looking at it to something different. I was talking with a, a husband who told me that... Uh, until he lost his $200,000 job in his home, he didn't have a good marriage. How's that for a desert? He said, we had to talk about it. My wife and I had to talk about it. We had to talk, where are we going to move now? What are we going to do? They start talking, they're communicated. And in so many ways, it saved their marriage or made their marriages really strong today. And they are a great, great couple. So before we take the Lord's Supper today, I want to ask you the question, you know, is there something you need to deal with? In just a second, the ushers will come forward. They'll put it in your hands. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're welcome to take the Lord's Supper with us. If you're kind of wondering where you're at with Christ, maybe it would be best if you just didn't take the Lord's Supper today because this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Jesus Christ. So yesterday I did a funeral uh, for a, a young man who, 36 years old, passed away, and the place was packed. And um, after the service, you know, I stand right where people walk by, and I had an experience I don't think I've ever had before, where everybody that walked by put their head down. That's how sad they were. Not one of them lifted their head, not one of them smiled, not one of them uh, shook my hand, not, not one thing. They just had their head down, all filing out. And down towards the end, there was one of those tattooed guys, you know, doesn't know what to wear. He's got some leather jacket on tattoos down one arm tattoos out here he's got a rebel south uh, a south uh, a southern uh, that what's that southern flag the confederate flag and it says rebel across the top and he was dressed like a rebel and he was a rebel <laughs> nobody was dressed like him he didn't know he, he didn't know how to dress and be appropriate and the guy comes up to me with a tear in his eye he shakes my hand now he's a big guy i'm like shoulder surgery easy boy and he says thank you that that really honored my friend I watched this guy you'd think he, he's not afraid of his emotions just that I watched him hug the mom kiss her I watched him interact with everybody at the graveside there was a handicapped boy about 10 years old he put his hat on backwards because he's a rebel he walked up to this handicapped boy put his arms around him kissed him on top of the head I'm thinking, now that's a rebel. Somebody who's doing something different than everybody else there. And husband and wife today, the only way you're going to make it is to stop listening to the rest of the world, act like the rest of the world, and be a rebel. There's a rebel with a cause for your marriage, for your husband, for your wife, and to get some training and to get to a conference. I so appreciate sharing, Ray, getting every year paying for your kids to go to a conference. Thank you because you know what they need and they don't know it. And that created a call from your, step, uh, your stepson to me, you know, your stepson, your, your son-in-law to me, and then we had a spiritual conversation. The only way to make it is to be a rebel against the rest of the world and what they're trying to say, because they're trying to tell you you're a princess and you deserve this. 
as we get ready. Why don't we have the ushers get ready here this morning? The body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was given for you and for me. The body of Christ. It is the denying of self. And as soon as you guys are ready, come on, bring that forward, start passing it out, Danny. Just bring it forward, start passing it out. You guys hold it until we'll get ready to. And in just a second, I'm going to just start a video for you to maybe contemplate on and think on. Go ahead and start that now. Go ahead and start that now. Folks, would you just begin to prepare your hearts? Do you need to talk to somebody? Let me have one of those too. You can start that video. Go ahead. It won't go. Grab me a little drink here. As you consider the bread and the body of Jesus Christ, do you know it says that you shouldn't take it if you have aught with somebody? And maybe that's somebody across the aisle. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Do you need to just bow your head? And do you need to say something? Do you need to get something right before you take the Lord's Supper today? That would be the best way. So it's not, it's not firing? cover maybe if you need to lean over and say something you know what today maybe when you leave here today this is happening the Holy Spirit a little less time on that. maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you about hey before the end of the day I will make this right Can you follow through on that if that's what the Spirit lays on your heart family member Some of you here today, you, you wish that your husband or your wife was here with you. Yeah, I'm pretty blessed to have Maria, that's for sure. So she's really the gifted and talented one in our family. So I, I do one thing well, she does many things well. I always tell people when I grow up, I want to be like her. Can you take this and remember this is the body of Jesus Christ. Take it. represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, take and drink. When you drink this, remember, I shed my blood for you. 
take and remember this is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, all I can do is hope to catapult you to a place where you work on your marriage and relationship. That's why I've provided resources. Ryan has promised by tomorrow night he will have this message up online for you or anybody else that might want to listen to it. There's always a set of notes there. Just go to the website and go on over there and you'll get a hold of that. Father, may your spirit bind us together and remember the vows that we took, Lord. If only on our marriage licenses it said children need not apply. If only that warning that was on cigarettes would be there for people that we need to grow up. This passage of Scripture This chapter on love tells us children, staying a child will never help us to get to the place where we need to be. May we just enjoy what it means to die to self and somehow come alive. And may we be able to defeat the consistent rate of divorce that has even entered into the church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, you guys. And now Bill will come and give a little sermonette on sex and intimacy.